Kiso Pop, Season 3, Episode 10. Hello, welcome to TESOL Pop. My name is Laura and joining me today to talk about industry trends in TEFL is Eve Conway. Listeners of the show will recognise Eve as the fellow founder and podcaster for TESOL Pop, having recorded season one together during our time in Hong Kong. Eve is now in her third year of content writing and editing in the UK, where she develops online and offline materials for teachers to use in their classes. Welcome back, Eve. Hi, everyone. It's great to be back. In this episode, we selected the topic of talking about trends in the TEFL industry. And actually, this wasn't an easy one to prepare for. No, it wasn't. I think quite often when you go to a conference or something, the theme of the conference might be actually new trends or future trends in TEFL. And quite a lot of the ideas are often things that have already been around for quite a while. So it is quite difficult sometimes to separate what is actually new from what has been knocking around for the last five to 10 years. So with that in mind, I think what we're trying to do in this episode is just kind of highlight some of those things that may have been already around in the background that are taking greater precedence this year and in the coming years, or at least in our opinion, we see it that way. And uh, to give people an idea of what to look out for. To get started then, there is obviously a lot of content out there about trends and what's going to be big and what's next. And one of the things I, I keep on seeing cropping up is AI and the role of AI in learning and teaching. What have you found out about this particular trend? It sounds awfully futuristic, doesn't it, when you talk about artificial intelligence. Online practice activities have come a really long way. So if you think about the first ones that came out kind of 15, 20 years ago, they weren't really that communicative. The self-access activities were things like multiple choice, drag and drop. They were trying to replicate the course book experience And they had the advantage of giving some immediate feedback to the students. They don't really do much that the course book didn't already do. Whereas I think with AI, we're seeing something a little bit different. So for example, the use of chatbots. So I'm sure you've used a chatbot when you've tried to communicate with the bank or some type of business to make a complaint or something like that. I think a lot of those early chatbots were really um, limited. They're not able to understand what your problem is. And the conversation's really quite stilted as well. So especially for something like language learning, they weren't really adequate because it was nothing like an actual normal conversation that you'd have with someone but they are getting much smarter now and you've also got things like speech recognition so speech recognition again has been around for a while in the past was really limited so a computer might only be able to recognize like a perfectly pronounced single word or something whereas nowadays it's evolving so that they can understand entire utterances They can understand language that maybe isn't pronounced 100% perfectly, which is what our learners want, really. With these technological advances in the future, we might be able to see perhaps a, a student that hasn't signed up for a class or maybe they don't have friends that they can practice with or a language partner that they can practice with, but they might be able to log on or purchase an app and actually get that speaking practice within a context Does this mean as a teacher, then I should be worried that AI is going to replace me? Personally, I don't think so. When I think back to my experiences as a language learner, when I've had private classes, when I was learning Spanish, sometimes you just want to be able to say what happened in your dream yesterday. And you want to communicate that to somebody. You want to learn how to say it. AI still has a long way to go in being able to recognize all the possible utterances 
that a person might want to say. And I think that the teacher is still really valuable for being able to pull out emergent language and highlight that to learners. When I was researching for this podcast, I was looking at what products there are out there and I came across one called Speaks, which is an app for learning French. And the learners can go into a virtual environment and they can tap a person. For example, they might visit different parts of Paris and they might tap on a waiter and the waiter might say something to them, ask them a question, and then they can answer the question. So the context is still specified by the AI, but it is providing a much more contextualized type of practice than would have been possible 10 or 15 years ago. What's really exciting about this update is, as you mentioned, this is moving into speech, being assessed by AI and responded to by AI. Whereas before, I think when you and I were very much in the classrooms, it was still very much text bot rather than a speech recognition element. That's super exciting. That's evolving into that. But I think still, like you say, it's very much for control practice, great for drills, great for building students' confidence outside of the human, should I call it, classroom, where a lot more unsuspected and new things and different twists and turns can happen in a lesson. Yeah, I think it could really be good for those students that feel a bit self-conscious about speaking with a teacher or speaking with a real person because it helps to build that confidence a little bit. But yeah, I agree that uh, there's still a controlled element there. One thing that kind of goes hand in hand with AI is these virtual realities that we see coming to the forefront of conversations most of our listeners will be aware of metaverse and that world that's being talked about on different social media platforms. I've heard a lot about metaverse, but I still don't actually really know what it is. Can you tell me a bit more about it? It's a 3D learning space where you take on an avatar form, you put on a virtual headset and you can navigate and move around this virtual space, whether it's a setup of a meeting room or a larger space outside. I'm kind of just going based on what we've seen in the demo video, the marketing material that's out there at the moment is still quite close to Facebook itself or the metaverse, I should say, where we're beginning to see actual staff having their meetings now in their avatar form with their virtual headsets on talking to each other in that virtual space. I saw that earlier this week on LinkedIn, metaverse employees posting about that experience and using that for their day-to-day work or in this case for an online meeting across different teams across the world so that was pretty exciting and what's the advantage of uh, having a meeting using the metaverse compared to say being on zoom in a meeting it depends doesn't it because i think if you if you don't train people for these spaces it could actually be a negative experience couldn't it because just because you may be a gamer or you may have some familiarity with other virtual spaces in a non-work context doesn't mean it's actually going to work for you or you're going to be able to easily transfer yourself into a work like a formalized learning environment in these spaces so i'm hesitant to say what those advantages are and to kind of flag that these things as with any technology whether it's an interactive whiteboard or something as mega as a virtual learning 3d space requires training and engagement of those people who are going to be the recipients of it in in order for it to really have those benefits and have positive outcomes whether it's a case of people be feeling more confident and comfortable in an avatar form maybe more creative collaboration in those online virtual environments feel a sense of togetherness that can sometimes be Mm -hmm. missing from the 2d screen experience 
I think it's going to be really interesting to see what those benefits are. And I guess some of the benefits will emerge as time goes on, probably have to like experiment with it a little bit first. And some of the benefits and advantages will naturally emerge from us having experimented. What's really fascinating about technology is that people often take it and they adapt it for how they need to use it and what their behaviours and use cases are. And I think we're going to see some really creative examples, like you say. One of the things that I'd like to just kind of highlight that's already out there. So like you said at the very start of this, actually a lot of these things aren't new. So while some people may be hearing about something like the metaverse for the first time, there's already companies out there that have been doing something quite similar. So kudos goes to Immerse, which um, have a 3D learning environment that is used for training purposes and also Fluent Worlds, which is used for training and teaching purposes where you can move around in an avatar form in this 3D space, in this case, without a virtual headset, I didn't need one in this case, and move to different spaces, interact with other people in that space. And what's really fascinating about the Fluent Worlds one is that, you know, when you have a lot of people on a call, on a Zoom or a Teams meeting, you have to kind of like Mm -hmm. push people into breakout rooms if you want like more collaboration to happen. In this space, you can physically, well, in your virtual form, physically move into groups in that space and your voice will become quieter the further away you move away from somebody. So if I'm a teacher, I can literally ask people in their virtual avatar forms to move into groups to certain spaces within that virtual space, wherever it may be, in an airport, in a cafe, for example. And I can literally move around and lean into those conversations by moving closer to them to hear what they're saying and move around those spaces. So it's not like a cacophony of sound at the same level happening Mm. in that space, which I thought was really fascinating. And then that allows you presumably to be able to monitor um, multiple groups at the same time, like you would in a real classroom too. Exactly. And there's other features to it as well, which I'm I'm not giving enough airtime to, but I, I encourage people to go and check it out for, for further examples of Fluent Worlds, Immerse, and of course, the, the metaverse. I think I'm excited about it. Um, of course, like you were saying about training being important. And I think also we need to think about the materials. Teachers always think that new technologies entail more preparation time, don't they? And that um, they'll have to create a lot of materials. Uh, But I think it's just getting to grips with the technology, seeing what it can do, and then thinking about how you can plan your lessons with the materials that you've got without it causing you too much work and extra prep. So we talked about AI and virtual learning environments, such as the metaverse. What else would you like to flag as a trend i think we're going to see more of a focus on soft skills this has been growing for a few years now already but i think they're going to become more important and i think that's going to be across all sectors so not just primary or secondary but actually in adult learning too the uh, oecd released the list of core competencies which are skills that they identified that are going to be particularly important for employers to have in their employees uh, and it's things like social and emotional learning communication skills collaboration what we traditionally think of as the soft skills so they're important not only for achievement in education but also for the labor market later on there are lots of ways that teachers can incorporate bits of social and emotional learning into their classroom so it could involve something like journaling i've known teachers incorporate journaling into their classes with teenage learners and maybe they'll put aside 10 minutes at the end of each lesson where the learners keep 
a class journal and they can write absolutely anything they want on that journal page at the end of the lesson. So they might write about what they enjoyed in the lesson or how they're feeling about their studies, what they're finding difficult if they want to, or they can tell their teacher anything that's going on outside of the classroom if they like, or they might tell their teacher about the group work that they're doing and the group dynamics. So that can give the teacher an insight into what the learners are enjoying or it can help them better plan their lessons. But from the learner's perspective, it encourages them to be more reflective about the learning process. The teacher can choose how they want to respond to that. So rather than seeing it as an exercise in written accuracy, the the teacher could uh, just respond to the actual content of what the students are saying. So that could help them build confidence in their writing skills, you know, not worry about making mistakes. Another thing that teachers could do with learners is mindfulness. So mindfulness has so many benefits. Before we recorded the podcast, I just did a little bit of research into what kind of benefits mindfulness has. So there was a 2019 uh, study by Greenberg et al. And they were looking at working memory. Uh, So they had two groups of adults and they... um, gave one group a four-week course in creative writing and another group four-week course in mindfulness where the adults were kind of doing breath work and noticing bodily sensations and stuff. And they did a a pre-test and a post-test of the working memory and they found that the group that did the mindfulness course actually did much better. They had better performance in their working memory after the mindfulness course. So we know that there are huge benefits for cognition, but also from a social perspective, Uh, mindfulness can help us to develop our self-awareness and it can help improve our ability to feel empathy and build relationships with others and that's something that I've noticed looking at different products for the primary market that publishers are creating over the last three to five years or so you see a lot more uh, mindfulness activities built into primary digital products Could you give an example of what a mindfulness activity could look like in a book? So it could be kiddie yoga. So maybe um, there's some relaxing music playing and the video might tell them how to move their body or there might be perhaps some breath work or perhaps there might be some reflective questions for the learners to think about. Like you said at the very start of this podcast, these things are not new ideas, but what I find really fascinating about these things is that it's becoming more intentional. So Mm. we can think of those teachers that already integrate this into their practice, but I think it's going to become more standardized in materials, in self-study practices, in teacher training courses as well. So I'm really excited that this is going to have a lot more time and conversation time for it to be integrated into the classroom. Thank you so much, Eve, for researching these topics. I know it's taken actually quite a bit of time and work to look into these and to get ready for this podcast. So I really appreciate the time you've taken to do so. Oh, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. If you have a question or a topic that you'd like to pitch for the podcast, you can contact us via the website, tesolpop.com. And finally, if you love what we do at Pop, then please subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Write a review on these sites or on Facebook and share the content with your teaching community.